Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, Pastor Steve takes us through a study in Mark chapter 10 in a message titled, Jesus Blesses the Children. Now, open your Bible or favorite Bible app and let's begin. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark 10. (laughs) Mark chapter 10. There, from the last census, there's around 8 billion people on the planet. That's a lot. And of those 8 billion, there is not, um, not one that Jesus is not intimately acquainted with. He made them all in his image. In Psalm 139, in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts towards me, O God, it says. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. In Luke 12, verse 7, we're told that God numbers the very hair on our head. And when something is numbered, it's carefully watched. God is so intimately acquainted with you that he knows every single detail about you. And and in that, you guys, um, there's nothing that's hidden from his sight, right? He, he, He not only knows you, he knows the insides of you. He knows your heart. He knows and is acquainted with every part of your mind and and your imagery and what you think in any given second, like right there and right there and right there, constantly in his omniscience, he's that aware of you. And that's why when we go to prayer as Christians, we don't ever lie to God. Have you ever noticed that? Unless you're deceived yourself, right? And you just don't know. If, If you lie to somebody and you're carrying on a sin, when you go to prayer with God, you don't hide that from him because you know he knows you right? You may get into a fight with, you know, someone at work or your spouse, and you know you're wrong about certain things, but you won't say it to them because you don't want them to get one over on you, right? So you just, you'll fight till the death, and you're like, no, but when you go into prayer with God, you just blurt it all out. You blurt it all out. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, right? Because you know he knows, and you're aware that he's aware of of your most intimate thoughts. And so because Jesus isn't fooled by our deception, we're we're typically a lot more honest with him. However, you guys, what we do fail to realize is in Jesus' interactions with us, he has a knowledge about us that lets him see the motives behind why we do what we do, behind why we, nobody else knows that in your life, right? You don't even know that sometimes. Why you do what you do, why you think what you think, he knows everything. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, so don't make a judgment about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets into the light and will reveal our private motives, and God will give to each one um, according to the praise that's due. So Jesus really knows better than anybody else, including ourselves. Now, because he knows this, he knows your blind spots. He knows where you are deceived this morning in your heart that you don't even know, right? And and he knows what's holding you back, what's holding me back from a complete devotion to God. If I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you guys would have a prayer somewhere in in your experience with the Lord where you pray something like, God, I want more of you. I I want 
to worship you deeper. How many of you guys would have that prayer? All of us would have that prayer, right? But you don't know what it is that keeps you back from that. Or maybe you do and you're just not doing and that makes you rebellious, that's okay, just repent. (laughs) But most of the time we're yearning for this deeper thing with God and we don't even understand the motives of our heart that's keeping us back from it. And oftentimes you guys will scratch our head saying, Lord, what's going on? I want more of you, but I'm not getting more of you. I want a revival in my life, but why aren't I experiencing it? In our text this morning, We're going to meet a man like that. We're going to meet a man that had that very thought. And as you watch this unfold, you will see this man is you. This man is me. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13, as we're continuing our study and our journey through Mark. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the child in his arms, he placed him in his hands, he placed his hands on their head, and he blessed them. As Jesus was starting out on the way to Jerusalem, A man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions." Before we jump into the latter portion of this, um, you guys, which is where I want to spend most of our time, I want to highlight something that's pretty important that Jesus says on the front end of this. Um, At the beginning of the book of Judges, Joshua is coming to the end of his life, and as is the generation that followed him. If you remember, when they crossed over, Moses passed the baton on to Joshua. He took a whole generation into the promised land and they took ground. Well, now he's coming to the end of his life, as is that generation. And as he does in Judges 2.7, we're told something very interesting. It says this, the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at age 110. And they buried him within the boundaries of the inheritance in Timnaharez in the hill country of Ephraim. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So all the people that went with Joshua. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done in Israel. I want you guys to notice, all the people of Joshua's day served the Lord. 
All of them were about God. They all saw the great works, but something happened to the next generation. Something happened where we're told when they arose, they didn't know God and they didn't know his power. And when you think about that, you think, how is that possible? How is it possible that in one generation, God vanishes from the minds and hearts of the people? You think there's no way. What happened there? You guys, truth vanishes in one generation if the previous generation fails to pass it on. Did you know that? It'll go in one generation. Holiness will vanish in one generation if the previous generation fails to be holy, right? You guys, a biblical worldview will die with the generation that fails to pass it on. That's a truth we understand. In fact, you guys, that's a truth you're living right now. You are living. People sit back and they'll go, I can't believe how evil it is. I can't believe how wicked it is. Man, it's so dark. It's so dark. This generation, I hear it all the time. Oh, the millennials. You don't understand. The millennials, they're so, they're just, they're in Gen Z. They're just out there. Listen, there is no way the generation before them can escape culpability for what's happening today. They're taught. You guys, evil is either taught or it's allowed. And so if we look on at the generation now that comes after us and we sit back and we're not happy with what is, then we should sit back and look at ourselves first and say, God, what compromises have we come up with in our lives that are now permeating society because the next generation has just taken what they learned or what was permissible? Nobody's off the hook in this, folks. That's why the Bible says when God talks about healing a land, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. If my people, nobody's, you can't blame sin on the younger generation. You have to look at the parenting. You have to look at the parenting of the parenting. And everybody needs to come to repentance and say, dear God, we allowed the disobedience that's talked about in 1 Timothy, where it says in the last days, perilous times will will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, arrogant, disobedient to parents. The first and foremost authority, we allow that, right? We allow a kid to come up and kick us and spit on us and tell, tell us that I hate you. We allow a teenager to say no. We allow them to lock their door. We allow them to watch things on, on their phones. We allow them to, to hang out with certain people because it's easier to parent from the background. It's easier to, 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 to be their friend. And so a whole generation of parents has arose thinking, man, I just want to be my friend's, my, my kid's friend, and I want to parent them in a way where we're, we're buddies. Listen, you can be buddies when they're 20 or 21, right? When they're five and they're six and they're eight, you're their parent. And if you let that go, then you won't be able to get it back. It'll cross a line. And then you'll have a generation that will now give birth to another generation. And so this is what's happening here. Folks, a biblical worldview will die in one generation if it's not taken care of, right? If it's not taught. We're told in verse 13 that one day some parents brought their kids to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. I want you to notice, you guys, the parents saw the need to get their kids to the Lord, we got to get them to Jesus, right? Well, what about the rules? Let's just give them better rules. I mean, you know, if the kids are disobedient, slap some more rules on them. That, that'll work. You guys, we have to do this. We have to get 
our kids to the Lord, right? The world spends a lot of time with them. And in a lot of cases, there's nothing we can do about that. It, do what you can, but they're going to live in the world. And as the world gets darker, the world has more input. I mean, we got, we got things we never had 20 years ago. There was no social media 20 years ago. That makes me sound old, right? There was an email 20 years, was there an email 20 years ago? It was right there. It was really touch and go. You got mail, AOL, dang, 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 dang. You know, and it takes you like 30 minutes to load a message. We were back in those days, right? You're like, what's the use of this? <laughs> but it was, it was barely there. And, 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 you know, we didn't have that type of connection. We certainly didn't have the ability to take a digital picture of ourselves and send it to somebody. We didn't have the ability to text message. I remember the first pager I got. We were coming up with codes, right? <laughs> codes of, hey, you know, hello, you could type certain numbers upside down and you could read it. Hey, hello, hey, hi, right? 911, call me, right? Some of you remember those codes. And then, and then came the little touch phone. It didn't even have, you couldn't, you know, do anything. There was no internet. It was just, you know, you, and there was people like, I'm telling you, there, there were some girls I knew, man, they were like, they could type like thousand words a minute. Like, and this was the time when, like, you'd have to hit the letter twice to get a letter, and then the next, and they just did, and, and you would look at their phone, and everything was worn out. I'm like, how do you do this? My daughter was like, and the phone would just burn up in her hand. We didn't have that. And so what's happened? It's not that that stuff is evil, but the evil one has taken that stuff, and don't make any mistake, he's used it. And so how do you parent these days? By just letting the world set what's and dictate to you what's permissible? Everybody's doing it. Everyone's doing it. Kids get phones at 9 and 10 years old. My oldest got a phone at 16, and she got it taken away at 16 in three days. <laughs> it was like, and now it's like kids are like coming out of the womb. Dun, 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 dun. The world, the world's teaching your kids right? The schools are indoctrinating your kids while parents sit back and they're uninvolved. Listen, I'll say this to dads. You have a responsibility to pastor your kids. You're not going to be perfect at it because I'm not perfect at it. But as I learned again this week, you got to sit and listen to them. You know, they're, they're emotional. It doesn't mean they're not, being, they're not worth being listened to because if you don't listen to them, they're going to go to who will and the world's going to listen to them. And the world's going to grab them by the hand, and the world's going to give them a hug, and the world's going to do all that it does to pull a person in while you sit back and you go, I don't understand what's wrong with them. Maybe, listen, maybe this is a word for some of you. Maybe what's wrong with them is you. Maybe you're not engaged. And if you're not, I would pray you would hear that and stop and get engaged. Ask them how their day was. Every day, not once every six months. What'd you do at school today? And they'll... If, if it's a 14-year-old girl, I'll tell you what it's going to sound like. And she's going to tell you her life in like three minutes. And as a man, you're going to sit back and just try to grab something, you know? But it's important. It's important that we listen. And that's a lesson I'm learning, man, as, as we speak. So there ain't nobody arrived anything right here, right? You guys, Satan knows the value of apprehending the next generation, doesn't he? He knows the value of that. He knows if he invests in the next generation, in part because of the blindness of the current generation, evil will become worse and worse and worse, right? It, it'll, be, it, it, it'll be like, the best way I could describe it is it'll be like, you know, here again, dating myself, back when they had cassette tapes. They don't even have CDs anymore, right? It's like, 
back when they had cassette tapes, you would put a little paper inside if you were cheap like mine in the hole so you could record over it. And, and every time you recorded from a recording, from a recording, what happened? It got worse. The quality got worse. It degraded, right? And in, 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 in a sense, you have that. You have original sin that entered the world. And what's happened is sin has degraded over time. It's like the copy of the copy of the copy. And the more time that goes on, sin in one generation that is accepted produces something different in the next generation. And the line of depravity keeps being moved down until now you got what you got. And what we got now ain't anything compared to what we're going to have in 10 years or 20 years. Our kids have to be touched by the Lord. I can't give them what they need. I can point them to the right one. And you should. From when the time that they're young, we used to pray over our kids in their bed. And then when they got old enough, we read them stories just like you. And then they got older when they were in their tweens. And we used to string them up behind the car and drag them around the neighborhood. <laughs> just kidding. We didn't do that, though the thoughts were there. Then they became teenagers. In each phase of life, you have to find a way to give them the Lord. Because when they get older, it's not just going to snap. If they've never had the Lord in their parenting, if they've never seen, and here's what's happening with this generation, because we've lapsed in this, this generation is rising up, hearing about the power of God and the transforming power of God in their parents' life, but they ain't seeing it. They ain't seeing their parents turn away from the things that their parents are telling them to stay away from. Right? They're, not, they're, they're not seeing the power of God there. And they're not seeing humble parents that come and say, look, I'm struggling with this. And I, I, you know, this isn't the way it should be. Please forgive me. I blew it. I shouldn't have lost my temper on you. Would you please you know, have mercy on me? And then moving forward and not doing it again. If the kids don't see the transforming power of the Lord in their parents, look right here. There's a really good chance they're at minimum going to struggle with it when they get older. Right? Hey, you want what I got? Buy what I want what you got. Didn't work for you. And now that's what's happening. Now, some of that, you guys, is going to come by God directly dealing with them. But the majority of, of their interaction with God as a young people will come from you. They need to see God's grace, right? I, I told some of you this story before. My oldest daughter was 17 years old. We raised her perfectly. She was the perfect specimen of Christianity. So we thought, right? And one day she came to us and she said, I got to confess something. You know, I'm like, oh, man. You know, my, my, my goals for her was that she wouldn't kiss anybody until she kisses her husband at the altar. I set the goals for her. I set them high, yo. I was like, if you miss, miss a little. And so she comes and she says, well, I kissed a guy. And I was, I was just thinking to myself, well, I said it. I said, was well, that all? And she's like, well, there's a little more. Oh, you need to talk to your mom. Okay? <laughs> was it? <laughs> It wasn't what I thought. Then she said, there's one more thing. And I, and I wasn't mad. I was like, okay, you know, I get it. We aimed high, we, you know. Um, then she said, there's more. And I said, what's that? She said, I tried pot. You tried what? And I came unglued. I'm like, you tried pot? Nobody tries pot. You try it, you smoke it for the rest of your life. You get addicted to it, right? I was talking about my experience, right? And she's like, she's freaking, she goes, dad, I just tried it. I didn't like it. Of course you liked it. Don't lie to me. And, and my wife takes me into the closet in the next room. <laughs> we have a big closet. It wasn't like, hey. <laughs> and she says, you need to calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. She's a pothead. <laughs> you know? And so I calmed down. And then I realized 
when I went back that the Lord had deprived me of punishing her. I was like, Lord, the whole idea of punishment is that they would come to repentance. She repented. She came to us. She opened the door. She said, I need to confess something to you. And you kind of robbed me of my parental duty here. I mean, I got to punish her, right? And the Lord spoke to my heart. Well, how about teaching her grace? How about teaching her what that is? You know, how about, how about, how about instead of laying another rule on her back, why don't you teach her what mercy is? Because that's a part of my character too, Steve. And it was like a knife that went through me. And, and she was just like crushed. And she's like, I know you're going to take my car and you're going to take my phone and probably take all my clothes and lock my door and all this other stuff. <laughs> and we just told her, yeah, we're not those kind of parents. I wasn't saying that, you know, uh, my wife is, but not me. It's just <laughs> <laughs> serious. She'll pull the door off the hinges. If you lock it, you know, you're a teenager. You don't lock the door in this house. And if you do, I'm pulling the door off the hinges. Um, anyway, in a good way. Um, but we just told her, we said, we feel like the Lord is, is telling you, telling us that you've, you've repented, right? That, that's, what, that's what discipline's for. It's to bring about repentance. You, you've repented. What am I going to do? You know, punish you for repenting? And, and she was shocked. So was I. I was like, what am I doing, Lord? This is like totally new. We're talking about mercy and grace. This is great. Um, you guys, that's who they got to learn it from. So go home and ask yourself, what am I passing on to the next generation? Is it just rules? Is it just contracts? Is it just do this and be this? Or are you also teaching them the full character of God? Mercy and grace and long suffering. All these things that if they don't learn them from you, who are they going to learn them from? In a very practical way, you guys, I think God will touch them through our parenting, you guys. Our Interset, our, our interaction with them is, could be the very blessing that Jesus is talking about here, where he touches them and he blesses them. Um, however, guys, we can also give them a cursing if we react in the flesh. So we need to be really careful. They're going to get enough of that from the world. Okay, ask God, what does your kid need to know so that they don't miss out when they graduate and they become a part of the next generation that's raising uh, the one after them? Um, because that's what we're suffering from. Jesus makes it clear in verse 14. He says, don't stop them from coming to me. This is huge. The word stop there in the Greek means don't hinder them. Do not be a hindrance to kids coming to the Lord so we can touch them, right? This is a, a big opportunity for parents to examine ourselves. God, am I hindering? Is there anything I'm doing, anything I'm saying that's hindering my kids from coming to you, from growing in grace and growing in mercy? Talk to me, Lord, because I don't want to be the hindrance. In fact, Jesus gets angry at his disciples because they didn't see the spiritual need of the kids. Folks, listen, our children's ministry is not a daycare for you so you can come in and hear the word. It's a church for them. That's our desire, right? Because they're close to the heart of God. When the church or people don't see the spiritual needs of kids, Jesus gets angry at his disciples. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm for them too. I want to touch them too. I want to bless them too. So if you're new to Redemption Hill, you know, and you're looking for a church, that ought to be in the scope of what you're looking at. How do they treat our kids? Is it just we want to just throw them into a, to a, a room and, and pad the walls and just let them go crazy? You know, we'll put the rowdy ones over here and we'll put the other ones over here. Or do they want to sit down and teach them? And listen, if they want to sit down and teach them, this is real important. 
Part of your job as a parent is to let them know the importance of receiving. So when they go to church, they're conducting themselves in a way where they can receive, where they can. I mean, we're not going to sit there and go into the, the Greek and the Hebrew and everything with them. I mean, we're not. It's not like it's going to be, gosh, this is really boring. We're going to talk to them at this level. But they deserve to be touched by the Lord. And you deserve to know that your kids are cared for here. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you have been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and a production of Key Radio. Thank you again for joining us on today's show, and from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.